Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon, live and direct from BZ Sierra Nevada Airy in Occupied California, doing the job the American media maggots won't, featuring right thinking from a left brain, working without a net and under an assassination order. Here is the Bloviating Zeppelin. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of public. Good morning, good day, good evening. It's not Jack Alexander. I instead am BZ, the bloviating Zeppelin. And you're in the saloon. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to BZ's Berserk Bobcats Lunar Radio Show, where I'm broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California, always spell it with a K, and I am now seven miles south of the locus of evil on the entire left coast, the Bill Mill, the Belly of the Beast, the California Capitol Building at 10th and L Streets in downtown Chatramento. Remember that tonight's show consists entirely of my opinion and my opinion only, and that this is an exhibition, not a competition, so please, no wagering. And back hair Bernadette is going to be your bartenderess again tonight. She pours with the best of them, and the lava lamp is still lighted over there to my left, and you can't see it anymore because uh, we're temporarily no longer doing video until we get to an actual free state. Whoopee! However, the saloon, as always, however, continues to serve stiff drinks, facts, history, logic, rationality, proportion, context, tradition, intent, and common sense. So you gotta know this. We don't water our drinks just like we don't water our conversation. Politics, religion, crime, culture, race, economics, sex, science, law. We talk about it all right here at the saloon where nothing is sacred, the speech is free, but the booze is not so let there be mis no mistake whatsoever 
I love my country, but I abjure its leftist leaders and anyone who won't put America and its lawful citizens first. Obey the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, uphold the rule of law, and embrace due process. If that makes me a white supremacist, terrorist, extremist, you know what? So be it. Tonight, in the saloon, we have a co-host, the lovely, uh, gentlemanly individual who I've had on numerous times before, Lonnie Poindexter. Uh, Lonnie is an, oh my gosh, where are we? Well, first, let me welcome Lonnie. Lonnie, are you there, sir? Hey, BC. Thanks for having me on the show, man, this evening. It's an honor and a pleasure, always, to... Uh... Uh, to sit here and chew the fat with you on topics that uh, that are important to um, common sense America, brother. No kidding, no kidding. And, and fat chewing, we shall be doing for the entire first hour because I have been blessed with Lonnie Poindexter. He will be here for the entire first hour, and then after the second hour, we'll transition over into more leftist insanity. We'll talk about Afghanistan, and. <laughs> Oh, by the way, um, if anybody wants to call at any time, uh, the number, and I, I will change this, folks, I swear, when I actually have some time to spare, uh, when I get to a free state, I will be actively seeking an 800 or a 900 uh, phone number for everybody to call in free. No, I know what you guys are thinking. No, it's going to be, it's not going to be, uh, you know, a... The, the lubricated uh, hot wax channel or anything like that. No, it won't be that kind of an 800 or 900 number. God, you guys are relentless. Uh, and in chat, welcome to Jack Alexander. Welcome to Real Mike Pasqua in chat. Welcome to Sergeant Booker. Welcome to the Alaskan. And welcome to two viewers who, unlike the U.S. government, we will not unmask you. You will and can stay completely masked here should you decide to do so. So for the first part of tonight for the first hour what i would like to do is speak to lonnie poindexter who was formerly in dc and then decided to seek his well i should go back lonnie you didn't really you you didn't grow up initially in dc you grew up in in california right yes in southern california specifically i grew up in the greater los angeles area Yes, just down the, uh, right next door to um, where Larry Elder grew up. He grew up in um, uh, West Los Angeles, and I grew up in the community that actually buttons up into uh, what's called Southwest Los Angeles. I grew up in the uh, community right there next to the uh, uh, LAX airport. Oh, so it was quiet all the time. (laughs) (laughs) In in fact, you just touched on something. I grew up in a community that runway one, the main runway for LAX, flew right over our house to land. In fact, we could just about watch the planes touch down from the uh, living room window of uh, the home where I I grew up. And uh, so you heard them. And here's what's really interesting. I spent my, uh, from grammar school through, through high school, years there. The planes never bothered me. You know, you grow used to something and yeah. the way it all was. When my parents sold the home and moved um, to another part of the state, um, I relocated as well. And I couldn't sleep at night because I was so used to those planes flying over about, 
about every eight to ten minutes. <laughs> um, so, okay, so I have to reveal something to you, too. Yes. I was an Air Force brat. And where I lived ah. in Sacramento, uh, we lived uh, off of a street called Fulton Avenue. And it was yes. adjacent to uh, an Air Force base called McClellan Air Force Base. Yes. And my dad was the assistant commander of the 940th Troop Carrier Group for a while. Uh-huh. Well, in the late 50s, I was born in the 1950s. <clears throat> and after having been a child in Sacramento, we were not far from Fulton Avenue. Yeah. What I didn't determine until a little bit later, as I got just a tad older, uh, number one, I was always fascinated with planes. Well, how perfect. Your dad's in the Air Force. And uh, in the the 50s and the early 60s, what was it? Oh, that's right. The Cold War. Uh-huh. So everything on the planet was flying in and out of McClellan Air Force Base. From B-47s, not B-52s, but B-47s, actually saw a couple of B-58s. The F-111 program was there. They used to, uh, no one really knows this or should know this, but there are nuclear reactors on some Air Force bases so that they can X-ray wings and various things so that the wings and parts of aircraft can be replaced, repaired, sometimes even completely rebuilt. So we were almost directly under the northwest flight path for all of McClellan Air Force Base. I would see C-121 radar picket planes all the time, uh, a plane, uh, C-124 Globemasters, C-119 Fairchild, C-119s. It was an active, active base during the Cold War all the time. And it got to the point where, just like you said, I loved it as a kid. And then... Now, they would have occasionally jet tests, jet engine testing yep. at um, McClellan Air Force Base. And you could tell, it was in, in the background north of us, you'd hear, well, what did we have east of us? We had a rocket stand. Um, and the, the name of the place escapes me right now, but they built the booster rockets for the moon program. And every once in a while, they would light up east of of, uh, Mather Air Force Base. They would light up a rocket, a booster, etc. Well, if you thought an engine, a jet engine on a jet stand was loud, 25 to 30 miles east of where we were, they'd crank up uh, an Atlas missile, booster and you could feel your lungs shake 20 to 25 miles away and incredible aerojet sergeant booker said there we go thank you aerojet and aerojet is where they built those beasts and of course what you have to realize folks is that unlike a jet engine which can basically has an on and off switch once you start a liquid or solid fuel propellant rocket engine, it doesn't stop until it's out of fuel. There is no on-off switch. So sometimes you would have those rocket engines going, making your your driveway shake and the floors and timbers in your house shake for, I don't know, five, five minutes, ten minutes. 
That was the sound of freedom. And how did we get here? Well, we got here because we're talking to Lonnie Poindexter tonight, uh, who was raised in Southern California and continued by saying he was near an airport. And I'm sorry I stole it, Lonnie. Tell me to shut up. Lonnie, take it. No, 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 no. I'm speaking of uh, of, of your listeners who are are probably laughing watching us geek out over playing. Yeah. Um, I could talk about this uh, ad nauseum. We we were able to, you know, okay, I'm going to date myself as well. Do you remember when the 747s came on the scene? They oh, weren't yeah. always around. Right. Now they're considered a vintage plane. Right. And so they could not land on runway one because it was too short. So they built another runway just north of, um, uh, it was runway four. And so when the 747, they first announced that they were going to start flying in. I remember everybody went outside because um, it was just north. So you could actually see a profile shot of the 747 uh, coming in. I'll never forget that as a kid, looking at that big plane and looking at it and looked like a building with wings as it flew in to land. And then you could see it land, and then it would taxi over to uh, runway one where the main terminals were and also where the towers were. And it was really something to see. As a kid growing up, you kind of take that stuff for granted, but um, it was the sign of our, our youth and different time in America and a different time in Los Angeles, specifically Los Angeles, that had, had not turned into the uh, liberal cesspool that it is today. Um, and so um, you mentioning um, Larry Elder and, you know, and Larry grew up and, and Larry went to Crenshaw High School and I went to Morningside High School. So we used to always play them um, during summer league. And then in the CIF finals, we would always play them. And uh, sometimes they would whoop our butts, and sometimes we would whoop their butts. And so, um, it, you know, you're taking me back down memory lane, and we start talking about these plays there. So forgive, forgive me, listeners, for uh, geeking out here, um, because my friend, yeah, loves planes. I remember you mentioning to me before uh, about your uh, background and affiliation with the Air Force because of your, because of your dad. Great things to hear, man. Um. Still miss him to this day. Oh, Mamba just checked into chat. Mamba, welcome. Uh-huh. Mamba46, good to see you there. Thanks to everybody for being in chat. Thanks to everybody who's listening. Thanks to everybody who listens in podcast. And thanks to everybody who's listening. But they're not in chat. They're just listening. Nice thing about doing audio only is that, hell, you can go bowling. Uh, you can ride your bike at night in the dark because right now it's really, really late. It's 11.15 on the East Coast, and it's about 8.15 on the left coast. Uh, you can clean your parakeet cage. You can balance your checkbook while listening to the show, and we're moving on. So, Lonnie, you were down in Southern California. Then, then you moved over to D.C., and why I say that uh, I say that California, the, the Capitol building here at 10th and L Street in downtown Sacramento is the belly of the beast. You for a time lived in the belly of the beast in DC. Yes, my brother. I uh, spent um, uh, nearly nine years um, in the belly of the beast right there on, uh, uh, on Pennsylvania Avenue where I had a, uh, a view of the Capitol looking to my left and a view of uh, well, I couldn't see the White House because it was a building in front that blocked the view. But uh, uh, if I got on my tippy toes, I could just about make out the top of the White House. So I was there um, right close and personal. And I, and I still go back for uh, different. And so 
I, I guess the term is bi-coastal. <laughs> and so, and so I spend time on the West Coast and the East Coast as well. But I got to tell you, my time on the East Coast, um, on a consistent basis, I really had a chance to see up close and personal uh, why we are in the, uh, uh, what's the word I want to use, because I'm a good Christian boy. Carnage? Uh, Carnage? Uh, mayhem? Carnage, mayhem, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I've got a word that's associated with a smell, so you guys can take it from there. That, yeah, that this is our nation's that. capital. And, and, and what I learned, and I hope we don't segue off into this, because I know you've given me topics that we're going to cover, <laughs> what I learned is, and for those of your listeners who have not spent time in the capital and don't understand what's going on in our nation's capital, is um, once a politician gets duly elected by the people and comes to the swamp, um, many of them become acclimatized, is that the word I can use, to the swamp. And they can have the best of intentions, but at some point they get assimilated. Ah, here's the word we use assimilated into the board that is Washington, D.C. politics. And understand this, ladies and gentlemen, that D.C. politics, and D.C. specifically, the city and the machinations of government there, the buildings, the federal government there, is completely different and separate from what takes place in the Oval Office. So if we think about the brash New Yorker that was our president and was bamboozled out of a second term. Um, everybody kept saying, well, it's going to be better now because he's there. So, no, 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 no. You have to understand he is has dropped down behind enemy lines, so to speak, because everyone is at some point or at some juncture associated with the, uh, the establishment that is D.C., and I, that's what I saw when I was there. And, it, you know, it blows your hair back when you it kind of clicks and you discover, oh, this is how this works. So anyone that goes there um, that has our worldview is in for a hell of a time trying to push forward their objectives and so forth based on why they were elected in the first place. And um, so, you know, I, I, I thought up close and personal. I, I attended meetings on Capitol Hill. Um, I, I attended meetings at the White House. And uh, all the sundry buildings, the Longfellow building, all the other buildings were the house in the Senate that occupied a Capitol Center and all that. And it's, uh, it's a different world. So it, it, it's the best way I can explain it, D.C., is that for the things that he wanted to do during his presidency, um, uh, I'm struggling for words here. I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. Uh, ben Carson was elected, um, what was he, a part of uh, HUD, right? Right, yes. How about how, uh, housing? Uh, bleh, bleh, bleh. Sorry, Lonnie, first day with my new mouth after having <laughs> been gone for a while. Yes, uh, housing and urban development, yes. Right. So he's the honcho for HUD, and I had a, a good friend that was working as a consultant there, and so we were talking to him, went out to lunch with him, and I brought some associates with me, and I said, man, you've been at HUD as a consultant for a number of years, She's pretty good for you now. Ben Carson's there. I know you lean way right like we do. You don't lean left. And then he stopped me. He interrupted me right. And he said, no, I understand something. He said, Ben Carson's in office there. He said it would take him two terms just to get rid 
of all the, um, I'd call them establishment, you know, uh, uh, cronies that are there that are uh, career uh, appointees. And once they get elected to office, and uh, excuse me, not elected to office, get positions there, um, he'll have a heck of a time carrying out any of the initiatives he wants to do because they'll just dig their heels in the sand and fold their arms and say, we won't do it. Let me give that a a law enforcement analogy. And somebody who's here, uh, I was not in the military. I served in law enforcement for 41 years. In the military, there is a strata of individuals who make things go. Or they can be obstructionists and not make it go. In law enforcement, there's a strata of individuals who can keep you going and flowing and if you piss them off, they can basically shit in your mess kit. And exactly. I would, it would be true, I would assume, of every other agency, strata, bureaucracy, etc. So in the military, it's the, the non-officer corps that keep things going. In law enforcement, it's the sergeants and the training officers that keep things going. If you don't have their cooperation, you fail. Would it be accurate, Lonnie Poindexter, to say that the people, the high-rated GS folks who've been there in, you know, whatever division, whatever area, whatever agency, forever, and by dint of that, know every little in and out of government and how it works and how to either help you or make sure that they they throw sand in the very delicate gears that you bring to that office. Would that be somewhat accurate? Exactly. Dead on point, my brother, Bullseye. That's exactly what takes place. Wait a minute. Do I get to do this to myself? (laughs) I've never done that for myself. It's always been for other people. That's a first. Sorry about that. No, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly it. Um, much more eloquently than I could, could have stated it, but that, that's what takes place. And so that's what I learned, you know, um, walking the halls of D.C. and going to different events and participating. And, and so you can, um, another example, um, you know, I'm a big pro-life advocate. Uh, I don't like people killing babies, or at least if that's what people want to do. I don't want to pay for it with my tax dollars. Right. And you have the biggest pro-life event in March takes place every year in January in Washington, D.C., and upwards of three-quarters of a million people show up for this march. That's a whole lot of folks marching in the street, and they march all the way up to the the, uh, Supreme Court steps, and um, they hold rallies, speakers, um, our former president, the first president to actually uh, not only endorse uh, the, the event, but actually spoke uh, via satellite at the event and had his vice president, President Pence, speak at the event. Media trucks were everywhere, and I participated in probably, I don't know, six, seven of these events over the years. But when you look on the news, you would think that it was just a uh, what I want to use a Boy Scout jamboree in some small town, and only you know twenty-five or thirty people showed up mm-hmm. uh, because the media would show up 
film the event but not show the event in mass media. And if they did, the only thing they would show is the uh, the wackos on the left that would show up, maybe 15 of them, and they would tighten in on the cameras so that it would look like there were a lot more of them. And I said, you know, this thing is deep-rooted, so when, when, when President Trump called it a swamp, that's exactly what it is, and it's full of swamp dwellers. And let me just say this, let's throw rocks at ourselves. It's only our fault because we've been sitting on our hands for so long and hoping somebody else would take care of it. And now we're at the point where we're basically losing our constitutional rights and privileges as citizens in this nation, which is a constitutional republic, um, because they are so entrenched that they have the audacity to ignore even when the people rise up and say enough is enough. And we saw that uh, with the bamboozlement in the elections and how they're deeply entrenched throughout every facet of government, which, as you stated earlier, every facet is infiltrated. The FBI wants a constitution is just full of swamp dwellers. The court system, full of swamp dwellers. It's pretty scary. Well, it's very it's very scary. Uh, one thing I wanted to confirm with you, Lonnie Poindexter, is that now you mentioned that you were living in a building and that kind of obscured your view of, of the Capitol. I heard, and I don't know, I'm simply trying to confirm, that you petitioned to have that building demolished when you were in D.C. <laughs> Would that be accurate? Because it did piss you off. Everybody that's in D.C. should have a decent view of the Capitol. And I, I think having known a little bit of the, the workings of paperwork and whatnot, my understanding is you petitioned D.C. and got the paperwork flowing to remove that building by demo, but you left before you got that actually accomplished. Well, I, I, I uh, let me just uh, say, let me just say this. Um, I had to kind of backpedal on that when um, when. Um, President Trump, uh, when his company um, acquired the uh, uh, the 100-year lease to that building and turned it into the, uh, the Trump International Hotel, and it became one of my main places to hang out. So I said, okay, it's okay that I can't see. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. I got that. that and just for, folks who, just for folks that are listening in, um, the uh, Trump International Hotel, which is located at uh, 11th and Pennsylvania, uh, was formerly the U.S. Post Office, uh, the main post office, um, for many years. Beautiful, iconic building. And uh, uh, the government owned it. Um, they had moved to other locations. So I think the building was built somewhere around uh, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. Beautiful building. But they didn't know what to do with it. So they had turned it into a swap meet building, this historic building where you can go in by knickknacks and so forth. And then they were going to tear it down. So somebody got the bright idea, well, maybe we should put it up for lease. We, we're not going to sell it because it belongs to the government. Um, Trump's company won out, the development company, and um, they went and, and refurbed that entire building. And um, they have a 100-year, with a 99-year lease on it. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous building. And um, they finished the reconstruction of that building um, in record time and under budget. And when was the last time you heard about anything government-oriented finished ahead of schedule and under budget? 
but that's what he did with that facility. And so it became like a clubhouse for those that have our worldview. So like, you know, you're perfectly at home hanging out there. You could go to the Trump Hotel. You didn't have to look over your shoulder. And let me just point this out, folks. In D.C., if you have our worldview, you have common sense, you had to do that in many other establishments in D.C. because I said the city leans way left. Washington, D.C., I affectionately called San Francisco East, just to give you an idea of how the, the fabric of that community is. And But we used to hang out there at the Trump Hotel, and it was just a great time. The reason that I wanted to have Lonnie Poindexter on tonight and the reason that I wanted to have us discuss California, always spell over the K, is that Lonnie grew up in Southern California, as you just heard, went back to D.C., but he also came back to California, always spell over the K, where he's uh, somewhere ensconced in a, in a bunker right now uh, as we speak on the, the teleolophone. So the reason I say that is because when, Lan- when Lonnie and I uh, continue our discussion about California and the recall and Newsom, Newsom and Elder and whatnot, Lonnie just isn't commenting to comment. Lonnie is commenting because he was here for a considerable time and he is back now. So he is quite intimately familiar with the workings of California, specifically how it was then, what happened, what changed, and what it's like now, which is a a major, major difference. When we come back, I'm going to take a break in in just a bit. We're going to talk uh, with Lonnie Poindexter, uh, Poindexter, who is my guest tonight, a fabuloso guy. And there was a screed written in the Los Angeles Times uh, against Larry Elder. This should come as no shock. And I'm going to read that entire article because it is despicable. I can think of no other word for this article. And despicable and L.A. Times essentially go hand in hand. It's written by uh, an individual called uh, Erica Smith, who crows about the fact that she once worked for the Sacramento Bee. The Sacramento Bee is our local newspaper. There used to be two newspapers in Sacramento for a while, the Sacramento Bee and the Sacramento Union. The Sacramento Union is one that Mark Twain helped to found. And as the days and the years went on, it became a very big government town, and it started to lean left, and now it leans hugely left. The The union dissipated. The Sacramento Union went bankrupt because there just weren't enough people to read it. The Sacramento Bee is nothing but an op-ed page uh, within every article, and Erica Smith is happy at having been working Uh, for the Sacramento Bee. When we come back, we'll go over that article, some other things about Larry Elder. I am BZ. That is Lonnie Poindexter. You are in the saloon, and thank you ever so kindly for uh, listening. I'll be right back after this, if you please. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Hey, are you guys listening? This is Shannon. From Rightwave with Shannon and Mike in the AM on SHR Media. I know you've been wondering where we are and what's been going on. Well, folks, that's right. We're back. So please join us 7 to 9 a.m. Monday through Thursday on SHR Media, on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, and Facebook Live at 11 a.m. on Rightwave with Shannon and Mike in the AM at Facebook. You don't want to miss a minute. We've got lots of guests, lots of segments. And lots of interesting things. And let's face it, there's nowhere for you to go, so you might as well tune in. 
Again, Right Way with Shannon and Mike in the AM. We're back live on the air on SHR Media, 7 to 9 a.m. Monday through Thursday, audio and Facebook Live, audio and video. Yes, we are going to do video. Facebook Live, Right Way with Shannon and Mike in the AM. Hope to see you soon. Want to make an immediate difference in the life of a critically ill child? You have the ability to do that right now. Make a donation to Dream Makers for Life, the organization that restores dreams to seriously ill children and their families. You can sponsor a dream pack for a child, which contains a clear PVC backpack, a dry erase board adventure coloring book, a journal, and dry erase markers to inspire a critically ill child to envision a future adventure and hope. Want to become a dream maker for life yourself? Go to dreamforlife.org. That's dreamforlife.org. Help a child. Help a family. There is always hope. Unleashed Jeremy Hansen, the most explosive pro-American podcast on the planet. Pro-MAGA, pro-Trump, pro-conservative. Come join the resistance. Fight for what really matters in America. 5 p.m. Central on UJHLive.com, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or Megabook.com. Come join the resistance and fight for America. Unleashed Jeremy Hansen. Do you value yourself, your family, your friends? Want to know more about how to survive, thrive, and stay alive in these dynamic times? Listen to Around the Campfire with Kate. Thursday nights and Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central. Only on PSN TV. That's Around the Campfire with Kate. News that nobody in the MSM wants to report. Remember, train hard, train smart to survive, thrive, and stay alive. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. And we're back. I'm back. Lonnie is back. You can follow me on Twitter at BZEP, at B-Z-E-P. I am very active on Twitter. And if you would, please share the show tonight at shrmedia.com. If you're listening on Spreaker right now, please hit share, if you would so kindly. Uh, Also, if you're listening to the show later in podcast, please share the show all over the place. You can remember, if uh, if you can, you don't like me on Spreaker, you can find the show on Spotify. You can find the show on iHeart. I am on iHeart Radio. I'm on Apple Podcasts and also Podcast Addict. And as Jack Alexander is wont to say, on anywhere good podcasts can be found. I'm a good podcast. He's a good podcast. And Lonnie Poindexter is just a great all-around guy. Lonnie, welcome back to the second half hour. Thank you again, sir, for being here. Thanks, brother. Thanks for letting me uh, come on the show and hang out with you. It's always uh, a blast for me. And I always learn something as well. So, um, And, and thank you uh, for the, your listeners out there. That I, I get uh, feedback from them as well. And and um, it's just a... Uh, <laughs> How can you put it? We're all in the state, you know, living undercover, <laughs> watching our back behind enemy lines. It's nice to know you got folks that lean the same way you do that you can uh, look to for encouragement and support. Yeah. Lonnie, feedback. <laughs> Air quotes. I bet you get feedback. Speaking of <laughs> feedback, 
an election is coming. Uh, Lonnie, what, uh, September 3rd? Am I correct? I think I it's, so. I think it's September 3rd. We have a strange situation in California. It's repressive as hell. And yet every once in a while we get to do something like, uh, have a recall. We recalled Gray Davis. And if anybody remembers, we put Arnold Schwarzenegger in then yeah. right after that. And he, it was unprecedented. Arnold Schwarzenegger got 48% of the vote. That, yeah. that never happens. Well, and I don't think it's going to happen this time. But Newsom, Gavin Newsom, is such a leftist cock-up that the electorate got, I think, 2 million signatures. Well, no, they got more than 2 million signatures to place it on the ballot because they suspected, and probably rightly so, that leftists somewhere would dispose of some of those ballots, and they wanted to overwhelm the process to make sure that the question actually got, the recall actually got on the ballot, and it is. And it goes like this. Do you want to recall Gavin Newsom? Yes or no? Okay. Check. Yes. And then over on the flip side, or depending on on your ballot, because each county has a different ballot. There are 58 counties in the state of California. Always spell it with a K. Each county somehow does its ballot a little bit differently. But that's, you know, that's the high cost of of being a free state. Those things happen. Read your ballot carefully. They may vary. Always read your ballot. Once you've answered that question, there will be a list of, I think, uh, Lonnie, I think there aren't there like 45 people running for governor. Uh, yeah. if, if Newsom makes it, I think I, I have three rescue dogs and I know that uh, shadow put in for, uh, for governor, but I, I don't think they accepted his paperwork. That's how many people there were in there. Well, Larry Elder, who has a talk show on the Salem radio network down in Southern California. Yeah. Um, Larry Elder, I spoke to for about an hour and a half or two hours twice at Freedom Fest in 2016 and 2017. Larry Elder is basically something that people don't know. He's mostly a big libertarian. He's running as a Republican because he knows about libertarians, as I do. I'm sort of a little L libertarian. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Larry has years. If you want to find out what Larry thinks, he's not afraid to tell you. So it's not as if you won't know, well, I wonder what Larry Elder thinks. Well, listen to his show. So he's, I would say at this point, at least for the Republican side, and I must admit I'm unfamiliar with who's running as a Democrat. Oh, imagine that. So because he's the biggest contender, uh, Larry Elder is being attacked. And I told everybody and teased this at the beginning of the show. I have an article in front of me that I'd like Lonnie Poindexter to comment on whenever he feels uh, so inclined. It's from the L.A. Times, August 20th, so not that terribly long ago. Within a week, it says, column, Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy. Okay, number one, process that headline. Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy. This is by Erica Smith, whom I told you about just before the break. She writes for the L.A. Times. Uh, So I'm going to read this particular article. And, uh, folks, you tell me what you think. And, uh, Lonnie, if you have any comments whatsoever, and I'm sure you won't, 
Uh, just jump in. <clears throat> and it starts this way. Larry Elder smiled the smug smile of a black conservative who could very well be liberal Californians' next governor. That's kind of an amazing line just to start. So he writes, where do you, she writes, where do you start with the damage Gavin Newsom has done to the state that we both love? He leaned forward to gaze across the room of white Republicans, specifically emphasizing white Republicans who had come to hear him speak in Orange County. If you know anything about California and Orange County, do the math. Rising crime, he said, it's because of this phony narrative that the police are engaging in systemic racism and cops are pulling back, Elder said. When you reduce the possibility of a bad guy getting caught, getting convicted, and getting incarcerated, guess what? Crime goes up. To which I respond, duh, Lonnie Poindexter. (laughs) You know, Larry's a a good man. He grew up in the community where I grew up. came from humble beginnings his parents came from very humble beginnings and um so you know i i can relate to him um not only because he happened to share the same paint job that i had right um but because he speaks with common sense and so the things that he touches on the realities are um if you look at what happened in baltimore after the uh, uh the freddie gray incident and police pulled back and the poor folks in inner city Baltimore are having a hell of a time getting through the day because crime has gone through the roof. Uh, same thing took place in Ferguson. Uh, wherever they push this false narrative about um, it's open season on young black males because of a corrupt police. Um, so when he speaks the truth on it, they trump individuals like her out. And, um, and she, um, she does that. Um, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, the virtue signaling. And this is not, this is not, Unlike what Sharpton does, what Jackson um, did, what they've done for years, and uh, what the new crop is doing, um, individuals like uh, Joy Reid, uh, Reverend William Barber, and, um, and and many others that they trot out um, when they want to throw rocks at someone that happens to have um, our uh, or my paint job and, uh, and, and worldview because we are on the right side of the aisle. And so, you know, it gets me worked up. Um, it gets folks who, who believe as we believe are collectively worked up. And it's unfortunate that anytime somebody happens to uh, speak up that has a, a lighter paint job, um, they catch heat and, and call the bigot. So for this individual to call him the black face of white supremacy, it's just a great headline for her. I'm sure she got a lot of pats on the back for this. Um, but she's no different than the the other race hustlers that they they bring up whenever they want to try to throw rocks. But see, I, I I believe people are seeing through this foolishness. You know, the L.A. Times. I remember as a kid um, in Los Angeles, I had a paper out, and um, I had a friend of mine who delivered for the uh, L.A. Times, and I uh, delivered for the Daily News on our Stingray bicycles. And it was always hilarious because the L.A. Times was much thicker in the daily newspaper and so his little stingray would lean to one side too much and fall over because of the weight of it i'd always laugh at him um but it was because the paper was prestigious and had you know some years ago had some validity to it but it's just profit today that's all it is and it pushes forth this and um a lot of folks who look like me dc are not falling for this in fact it just smacks of 
propaganda and people can see through it. I think, and, and I'm an optimistic kind of guy just by nature, that there's going to be a, um, it's going to be like it was with Arnold. You know, now Arnold got beat up by the unions once he got elected as governor. Oh, yeah. He had, never, he had never did the politician thing before, and those unions tore him up. But um, I think that Larry Elder comes from a place where, um, well, he's a, he, for one thing, he's not an entertainer or he's an attorney. Yes. And so and so he's a sharp guy. And uh, I've had the pleasure of uh, taking pictures and shaking hands with Larry Elder. And I, I'm not going to say we're best friends, but he, know, he knows me. And um, and so he's a real deal. So I, I put whatever panache I have behind supporting him and so have others. That are that, that are in my circle, and I think that if, if we now here's the deal: if they cook the books, because <laughs> you know they're using those same Dominion machines, right? Right, right. Uh, he could win, but still lose because they cook the books. I'm hoping that there's enough oversight from folks who lean our way that we can catch that going. I have some friends. In fact, you've had one that's been on your show on a number of occasions. That owns a information security consulting practice, and he explained to me exactly what happened in the uh, in the previous election, uh, uh, the last election with uh, President Trump. And so I'm I'm hoping all eyes <coughs> are on the uh, this process, um, but they're going to pull out everything they can possibly pull out. Oh God, yes. Like, this. Absolutely. There's a photograph floating around, and I believe it to be true, of a warehouse in Sacramento, of all places, with a stack of Dominion voting machines. And on the side of the boxes, if you look very closely, it says, Made in China. Just thought I'd throw it out there. Now, before I forget, because I forget these things, uh, there's a... uh, Let's let's see if I can find it. Here we go. Okay, there's a cut I want to play of someone being paged at an airport. And quite frankly, you got to listen carefully. This is funny as hell for 20 seconds. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got to recycle that. Okay, it went the wrong way. This is okay. It's the technical term. Now, this should play 20 seconds in an airport and somebody being paged. So somebody on the paging machine has a sense of humor, which I kind of like. And I had to play that before I completely forget about it. Uh, I, I, I heard that earlier today, and I cracked up laughing. Uh, I, I wish I'd been smart enough to think about doing that at the airport. <laughs> I'm going to continue reading the article uh, from Erica Smith, and she's uh, quoting Larry Elder. Uh, she said, Larry Elder cracked another smile. And this one, even more smug than the last. He said, can you say, duh? So she continues, I won't lie. Few things infuriate me more than watching a black person use willful blindness and cherry-picked facts to make overly simplistic arguments that whitewash the complex problems that come along with being black in America. 
And throughout his career as a radio host, as a talking head for Fox News, and now as a gubernatorial candidate, Larry Elder has made a point of doing just that, usually with a lot of taunting and toddler-like name-calling of his ideological enemies in the process. As longtime political consultant Kerman Maddox put it, Larry Elder goes out of his way to be at odds with the leadership in the black community and at odds with the thinking in the black community because, as we all know, Lonnie Poindexter, it's absolutely true. All blacks think alike. (laughs) Or am I wrong on that? Yes, my brother, we are monolithic. We we move as a complete block together, and anyone that... uh... Uh, falls out of line is whipped back into shape. Thank God. <laughs> you know, when you think about it, the plight of black Americans um, and how we went from uh, the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, um, to success in the greatest nation in the world, um, it, it's a real slap in the face to individuals like Larry Elder's father. You know, his history, his father yes. uh, moved to California and uh, opened a restaurant, you know, just from hard scrabble beginning, but found a way to be successful in um, this nation. His son, Larry, misunderstood his dad. They were at odds for a number of years. Oh, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Larry Elder's father was a Republican. Those of you who did not know so even back in the day, um, you had uh, black Republicans or, or black uh, conservative uh, uh, thinkers, um, which were called, uh, oh, what's the, the term? Uh, oh, it'll come to me in my middle age, but uh, there's a term used for those who were conservative in their values, but happened to uh, be Democrat, uh, Blue Dog, Blue Dog Democrat. Okay. And, um, and so I came from a family of conservative black Blue Dog uh, Democrats who uh, you know voted for Reagan, who voted for other individuals um, back years ago um, in California, and, um, and so. But what's put forth today by these—I don't know how old Erica is, but I believe she's younger, not younger than you and I. And you know, I got stock older than she is. She knows what she's talking about. But here's the deal: um, she knows what she's doing. She gets the pat on the back. Somebody wrote her a check, and she'll be the fair-haired girl of the day because of this quote that she made. It's a bald-faced lie, and um, you know Larry's no pushover. He, you know some of these guys shrink when they get heat put on them, but he's not that kind of guy. No, not at all. Um, I compare Larry to some other people that I've uh, encountered in my life. And I'm sure I'm sure everybody knows someone like this because as I was speaking to Larry Elder, uh, Sean and I were speaking to to Larry Elder. I'm sure everyone has come across somebody that thinks on their feet, mm-hmm. and they think on their feet with lightning speed. Yeah. There was a judge in the area where I used to work in law enforcement uh, named Gary Ransom, who could think on his feet. Uh, he was he was scary. He was so fast. It was as if he wasn't human. It was as if he was uh, the equivalent of Tesla, only as a judge. 
Right. Then we had another guy who was our union president who could think on his feet very quickly. I, I, I don't do that. But Larry Elder is one of those guys. Yeah. And he speaks rapidly. And I think it's because his mouth can't keep up with the thoughts that are burbling around in his brain because he's that intelligent and he's thinking two or three arguments ahead of where he thinks you're going at the time. He's a highly intelligent man. He replaced Hugh Hewitt, who went back east, and I find Larry Elder infinitely more educational and insightful than Hugh Hewitt would ever be. But let me continue with the story here because you'll love it, folks. So uh, Erica Smith continues. She says, like a lot of black people, though, I've learned that it's often best just to ignore people like Elder. People who, uh, who are, as my dad used to say, skin folk, but not necessarily kin folk. Well, that's certainly how many of L.A.'s blacks and politically powerful have tried to deal with him over the years. As the Times once wrote of Representative Maxine Waters' refusal to be a guest on Elder's radio talk show, why should she boost the ratings of a man who ridicules her by mixing a recording of a barking dog over her sound bites? Okay, a couple of notations. One, he is an entertainer and a radio guy. And number two, she knows that she would get crushed by the Larry Elder steamroller in terms of trying to um, circumvent his intelligence or his rhetoric, and it wouldn't be done. Yeah. That certainly, she writes, how many of L.A.'s black and political powerful have tried to deal with him. But as polls show, nearly half of likely voters supporting recalling Newsom and that Elder is in the lead to replace him, ignoring the self-proclaimed sage from South Central is no longer a viable strategy, particularly for black people. Okay, so basically, Erica Smith is telling you black people how you ought to think. He is a danger, a clear and present danger, said Melina Abdullah, co-founder of Black Lives Matter Los Angeles. Wait a minute. Where, where's my producer? Black Lives Matter Los Angeles. Where is my producer? What is Erica? What is she? You're a loony. What? Huh, it's not just that Elder would be a Trump fanboy Republican trying to run a state dominated by Democrats, or that he has zero experience in elected office and clearly doesn't have the temperament for governance. How does she know that? She she writes parenthesis, he can't even take questions from journalists without losing his cool. Of course, they wouldn't be soft ball questions like they pitched to Joe Biden, would they? No, they wouldn't. (laughs) She writes, it's that perhaps out of spite or perhaps out of an insatiable need for attention, Elder opposes, you're going to love this. Folks, you're going to love this. Hope I'm sitting down. Elder opposes every single public policy idea that's supported by black people to help black people. Really? She writes, this has been true for decades, but it's particularly problematic given the racial reckoning following the murder of George Floyd. So, Lonnie Poindexter, in your estimation, is Larry Elder opposed to 
everything good for black Americans. Yeah, it's not. If you, if you listen to um, his platform and the things that he stands for, they, they're actually uh, very positive for the uh, black community. He talks about fatherlessness in the home. Uh, he talks about economic uh, disenfranchisement and the origins of that. There's many other things that they state, but if you don't, if you take your view about who he is from the sound bites you get from mainstream media, you'll never really know. Excuse me, what what he does um, stand for, and it's unfortunate. <laughs> Let me say something here. I think it's going to be provocative, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. I learned. Uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, a friend of mine from California called me and she said uh, she's a, an activist in, in California. And she was uh, actually um, one of the delegates uh, for Trump in the 2016 election. And, and she happens to have the darker paint job. She said, what do you think? Lonnie, I knew you grew up in Los Angeles area. I said, yeah. She said, what do you think the population of blacks are in Los Angeles? I said, oh, man, I mean, I grew up there, and oh, it's got to be what? I don't know, 26 27% black? And she laughed. I said, why are you laughing? I said, am I way off? She said, yeah, you're way off. I said, well, man, is it higher? Is it higher? She said, no. I said, okay, well, 18 to 20%. She laughed again. So I said, certainly it can't be below 10%. And she fell out laughing again. I said, okay, quit screwing with me. Tell me what the percentage is in the black, percentage of the black population in Los Angeles proper is about 6.7%. So there's been a major flight of blacks out of L.A. And a lot of other people, too. And uh, why is that taking place? It's because of the policies of uh, individuals that this individual, uh, what's her name, Erica Smith support, the um, Los Angeles Times support. And the big stinky elephant in the room is the proliferation of the Latino community, and specifically Latino, Latinos from south of the border, from Mexico and other places. So uh, I'm saying all that to say this. Uh, they talk about Larry Elder. And, you know, he's not pro-black and so forth. If these individuals aren't pro-black at all, what they do is chirp what they're given to say, and then they're rewarded um, by the, the progressives and the left for saying those things. And um, they themselves, I, I wonder if Erica Smith even lives in L.A. You know uh, what I'm saying? Yes. You know, and, so, so these are, it, but we'll, you have to point these things out, and um, I think I mentioned to you before. And I'm going to need to get him on your show. Um, Mark Little, who is a good friend of mine and, and, and very prominent in Southern California, Los Angeles area, and um, he, because this delves into, and I know you didn't want to specifically go to this topic. I'll just mention it. Um, he did a great speak on critical race theory because this all ties to this. You know, when you know the truth about what's really going on and the origins of all of this foolishness, that these individuals who have the darker paint job that they get up and they chirp this foolishness 
you find that it's all tied to Marxism ultimately. Like you mentioned, the individual who was the, the president of the uh, Black Lives Matter for what, Los Angeles, um, they're all Marxists. Patrice Cullors certainly is. Yep. But they're she's a capitalist Marxist. She only has $3 million homes. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 um, and uh, Mad Max, um, it, it, you know, how she gets the elect. Well, they, I think they cook the books and that's why she gets elected. I think so. She doesn't too. even live in the district that she's supposed to represent. But she has a nice house wherever that is. Hancock Park. That's high rent district. Trust me, brother. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know for sure, but A, I believe you, and B, the name in itself yeah, sort of conjures that, that visage, I think. Yeah, the home that she uses to say that's her home is obviously not her home. And um, I think she doesn't live there. And um, people point this out, but the media ignores it. You've got to go to other media sources to get the truth about this thing. Um, you know, we know that Scripture says that the, 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 the truth will not only set you free, but make you free. And the truth eventually comes out. But they are very good with their uh, modus operandi and how they roll out um, this propaganda and people you know bite on it but for those who actually are doing taking some time and learning the truth uh, first about our nation's history and then more specifically uh, in the state of California then um, uh, then I think they'll begin to change hearts and minds we're doing some things in California that I'm working with a content of character series and which we do speaking engagements all across the country speaking the truth about our nation's history, and then about the truth about the black experience in our nation and truly what black Americans were able to accomplish in this nation. You know, my father had something he used to say to me years ago, and he said, son, he has dad, he says, America's got warts, he says, but still no better place to be in the world. <laughs> He's been saying that to me since I was in high school. And, um, and he's right. We're not a perfect nation, um, but we're a nation of ideas with, I think, a perfect idea. And, um, and, and, and the true story of how we succeed as Americans today, all Americans, that, that ideal of you know starting with nothing and creating something, regardless of what station of life you come from. If you can go from being, and okay, I'm hearing uh, Battle Hymn of the Republic in the background. It's like, <laughs> if you can go from being a slave, a slave, free yourself by escaping, then go on to be a consult president, start newspapers, become ordained as a minister of the gospel. When your first wife dies, the one you had when you were a slave, and you reunited with her after you freed yourself, and she dies, you remarry, and you marry a white woman. This is in the 1800s. And when you die, you have an estimated net worth um, of somewhere in the neighborhood of $300,000. $300,000 in the 1800s is multiple millions today, correct? Yes. Oh, God, yes. And, and, so, and who I'm speaking of is Frederick Douglass. Yep. If you can do that, and you were the consul to Abraham Lincoln and other presidents, if you can do that in this nation, it means that life might not be fair, but we know that God is just. 
But you can accomplish what you want to accomplish if you apply yourself and you have faith and know that there's other individuals who will be in league and in support with you. And that's the American story. I don't care if you're black, white, Puerto Rican, polka dot, or whatever you happen to be. And that's why everybody is trying to get here. And that's why our borders are swarming with folks from south of the border trying to get over that these chuckleheads who are running things in the state of California want in because they want a new voting block. <laughs> yeah. then, then all this other stuff is just, you know, it's horse manure. It, you're being oh. very kind. It is horse manure. Frederick Douglass did, he had wants and desires then that we do not as a nation have now, especially people yeah. on the left. He wanted to continue dialogues across racial lines. He wanted to talk to everybody. There's a quote that I'm looking at right now. He said he had a willingness to engage in dialogue with slave owners and said, I would unite with anybody to do right and with nobody to do wrong. Yeah. Got a question for you, Lonnie Poindexter. Do you have a couple of minutes after the break to continue a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, you you know how once I get going. <laughs> oh darn! I'm so I'm I'm shocked, and, and yet on the other hand, I'm I'm very pleased and very happy. That's Lonnie yeah. Poindexter. I'm BZ. Da- I conned Lonnie again. Darn it! We'll be right back <laughs> after this. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. It is he, he that is me, bringing perspective from across the sea. Join me, Jack Alexander, four days a week for the Jack Alexander Experiment Podcast as I take a unique outsider's look at the news and issues affecting life and liberty here in the USA. I'll show you what the mainstream media refuses to. Politics, border security, defense, healthcare, travel, nothing is off limits. Catch the Jack Alexander Experiment Podcast each Monday to Thursday on Facebook, YouTube, and everywhere good podcasts can be found. Also, check out the website, www.jackalexanderexperiment.com. Come listen to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon Radio Show, Tuesday and Thursday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, for the best in late-night conservatarian wireless talk radio at shrmedia.com. Raised as a free-range child with dirt and freedom, BZ is broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California. Jump into our plush, sumptuous, palatial, and resplendent chat room at shrmedia.com. Now, with 18% more umbrage and 20% more bulbosity than previous shows, and with delicious Liberty Additives. Remember, BZ realizes that with great beard comes great responsibility. No chinchillas were harmed, embarrassed, or the focus of any sarcasm whatsoever in the making of this ad. It's your business diva here, Melanie Collette. I am inviting you to a front row seat as I discuss some of the most intriguing details of wealth and finance with today's movers and shakers in the world of business. Listen in and discover financial truths on a global, domestic, and household scale. Uncover topics that will impact your wallet today and in the future. Money Talk with Melanie airs Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. East, 2 p.m. West, right here on SHR Media and High Plains Pundit Talk Radio. You can't afford to miss it. After six years covering terror and corruption, the unpleasant blind guy is making a change. 
I'm Dave Milner. Join me on Spreaker and YouTube through SHR Media and on the Western Free Radio Network as I team up with Jeff Mitchell, host of the English Defense League radio show on blogtalkradio.com. Check show pages for airtimes. It's the Unpleasant Blind Guy. On EDL Radio. There's no surrender ever. Because truth is not always pleasant. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. And we're back. I am back. Lonnie Poindexter is back. Baby got back. You can follow me on Twitter at BZEP at BZEP. If you would, share this show tonight. If you happen to be on Spreaker listening to it, find a little share button down and around there somewhere. Hit share. Share and share alike. Uh, I am only on audio now because I have no internet whatsoever, pretty much, from my wife's house. Thanks, FrontierNet. Really appreciate that for being absolutely ineffective, charging a lot of money for um, about dial-up speeds. If anybody remembers, yeah, that's about how effective FrontierNet is in my wife's house right now. I have Lonnie Poindexter on right now. Uh, and again, Lonnie, thank you ever so kindly for being here. I greatly appreciate it. We were talking about Gavin Newsom, and we're talking about the recall, and we're talking about Larry Elder. And I was reading an article by uh, Erica uh, Smith, and the title of the article was, Larry Elder is the Black Face of White Supremacy. And uh, basically, she continues, she says, he also apparently doesn't believe that racial profiling exists. This is despite the Times editorial board the police pulled him over between 75 and 100 times the first year he had his driver's license. Elder scoffs at the many efforts to reform the... Well, let me stop there just for a second. I was a cop for 41 years. Hey, Randy Purim, welcome in chat. Good to see you, sir. I was a cop for 41 years. Was I ever pulled over? Yes... I was pulled over by a drunk CHP officer down in Southern California on I-5 who had a stubble. And the only reason he let me go, I think, is because at the time I had three um, young ladies in the automobile with me and let me go. So do I get pulled over? Yes. Have I ever been ticketed? Yes, I have, as a matter of fact. Why was I pulled over? Probably because, in my case, I was going too fast. Imagine that. You know, there is something called probable cause, and those things do exist. Elder scoffs at the many efforts to reform the criminal justice system and to root out racial bias in policing by requiring more transparency and accountability from officers. Instead, he keeps trotting out statistics that purport to show that black people are particularly prone to murdering one another. Stop! The stats are there. Yep. The Washington Post keeps a detailed summary of statistics regarding this. And in order to compile the appropriate numbers, you have to go in and not read the common crap spewed by leftist organs like the Times. So, is, in a nutshell, to this point, Lonnie Poindexter, um, as somebody that I, I heard recently said, okay, 
point out the flaws of my argument. One of the few things that you could say uh, Jerry Brown would offer to people when you didn't like his arguments, at least Jerry Brown would say, okay, what is it about my argument that's wrong? So what is it, Lonnie Poindexter, about Larry Elder's argument that's wrong? What's wrong is that he's running as a Republican. It's not unlike uh, they loved uh, Donald Trump until he decided to run as a Republican for president. Then everything that came out of his mouth was wrong. You know, I was trying to remember the name of that Harvard professor who did that um, detailed analysis. And, and, and he was a liberal, liberal professor of Harvard who did that um, detailed analysis and study to confirm that um, there was bias with police in dealing with young black males. And he discovered vis-a-vis those statistics and his own observations and interviews that um, it was it was propaganda. But if you try to mention this, and I've done it numerous times in social media and on my radio show, um, you know, you've got a, a portion of the population that doesn't want to hear it. You do have folks who pull you to sign, man, I didn't know that. So, well, yeah, you can go learn. I said, this guy is not, uh, he doesn't lean right. He's a typical liberal black professor at Harvard, and he had to admit that he was wrong, that he was wrong. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with what Larry Elder's saying. They just say it's wrong because they don't like that he was He's not running as a Democrat. Um, it's unfortunate, but that's that's what we live with today. And the news media runs with it. And so those who don't do any investigation on their own, um, you know, they roll with they roll with them. And they're doomed to live in their own little cocoon, the likes of which they don't want to peel themselves out of at any time. If anybody remembers, or probably most people don't, but I do, there was a study conducted in 2016 that said that white officers are slower to shoot black suspects, according to that study. But you're not supposed to know about that, and you're not supposed to remember that. And all of those stats, anyway, are buried completely, as a matter of fact. Um, Elder scoffs at the many efforts to reform the criminal justice system and to root out racial bias by policing, oh, in policing, by requiring more transparency and accountability. So, blacks, are they prone, more prone to murdering each other? I think the statistics prove that that is true. I'll delve into that as I do every time in when I refer to my heyjackass.com segment about Chicago. So she continues to write, do we still have the phenomenon where a young black man is either is eight times more likely to be killed by another black man than a young white man? He told the Republicans in Orange County. If the answer to those series of questions is yes, I submit submit to you that uh, systemic racism is not the problem. Elder mocks Critical race theory. Imagine that. Larry Elder mocks critical race theory. No, that doesn't bode well for ethnic studies in California. Oh, you mean somebody might have to tell the truth if he's a governor. If he's elected, the task force studying reparations for black Californians would be toast. Reparations for black black Californians. Reparations for black Californians. Okay, hands of white people, 
in the show listening right now that own slaves. Hands. Let me see them. Hold them high. Uh, uh, I don't. Okay, I don't see any. Okay. Hands of people whose moms and dads held slaves. Okay. Uh, Hands of those white people whose grandparents had slaves. That's funny because I have a great uncle who fought for the blue and was killed in the Civil War. Huh. Imagine that. But because you're evil and you're white, you're going to have to pay reparations in California. Larry Elder would do away with that. Well, we can't have that. No. (sighs) Then there's Elder's views on masks and vaccines for COVID-19. It's particularly telling that a week ago, a who's who of black elected officials from members of Congress to the L.A. City Council lined up at Kedron Community Health Center to urge black Angelinos to get vaccinated. The rates continue to be abysmal and black people are still dying disproportionately. Stop. I believe in speaking honestly here. I don't remember the specific study or the specific quote, but in New York City, something akin to 40 to 45 percent of black Americans in New York City were not vaccinated, comma, and they weren't interested in being vaccinated. No. Now, folks, think, think if you would, why would that be? (laughs) Because common sense America or common sense Americans and, and black Americans in particular, um, who have done even a modicum of research, or maybe they're old enough to remember uh, the infamous uh, Negro experiment uh, that took place in Tuskegee. Yes. Where blacks were, <laughs> were uh, yeah, we're going to get rid of the, um, test the thing on the they actually were giving uh, black males uh, venereal disease and then tracking them over the years. Um, I, I can go back. You can go back even to another incident, and, 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 and um, this one I posted to my social media. The uh, my baby. Um, oh. I'm old enough to remember, you know, I um, children. Yeah, with those horrible uh, disfigurements um, because of what that drug did uh, to um, babies and their mom's tummies before they were born. Yes. And um, I, I, just, I, I, I understand young people not understanding they weren't around. I remember, I was a little guy, but I remember seeing, you know, a young, I remember the first time I saw a young boy, what's wrong with his hand? Why, why are his arms not there? And why are these weird protrusions coming out the side of his body? All from vaccination, uh, from, from, from so-called medicine from Big Pharma. Oh, boy. And then the military, you know, I, think about the military testing. Okay, we've got military personnel, and we're going to test, we want to see what the effects are going to be from a nuclear blast. And they were given uh, very limited information about what potentially they could do. And, you know, and then you had individuals that suffered uh, greatly from that. Many died from cancer and other things. Um, Government, what did Benjamin Franklin say? Uh, The the, um, government, small government, let me see, I can paraphrase. Small government is what we want because big government tends to lean toward Exactly what we're dealing with today, where you and I were drawing our line in the sand, says, I'm not getting poked. Um, and now we're vilified in the press and in, uh, in the, and by the government, um, because we choose to think independently. 
here's a look, and I don't know, Lonnie Poindexter, if you and I spoke about this, but this is where New York City is going. And if they want to truly go for this look, uh, straight ahead and straight on till morning, uh, William Wilhelm. What's his name? Yeah, William Wilhelm. Uh, because uh, de Blasio is not his real name. He will. He was a Kraut, so he changed his Teutonic Kraut name to de Blasio because, you know, it was kind of friendly and Italian and eh, kind of like Cuomo, you know, not like he's having any of his the problems himself. But what about the look if all of a sudden all the businesses in New York City decide that they're going to shutter their doors in the faces of black people who want to go to restaurants? Who want to go to movies? Who might want to go to a play? Who might want to go to a store? Who might want to go shopping? Who might want to go to any form of entertainment, a bar, a bowling alley, to entertain themselves during the times of COVID-19? And if they don't have a vaccine, and hence a vaccine passport, they're not getting in. I can't wait for the look of that to happen. Because it's going to happen sooner or later. De Blasio. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It'll be 1965 all over again. <laughs> Except with a new spin on it. Um, yeah, they they didn't think this one through, did they? It, know, now they're telling and they're spending millions of dollars um, targeting the black community to get folks to get uh, uh, vaccinated. And... Um, you know, this is not unlike what they do with um, uh, 70-some-odd percent of abortion clinics are located in black and Latino communities. And um, so you want to talk about real racism, let's just talk about the fact that 2020, 20, I think showed me 23 million, it used to be 20 million, 23 million um, little black babies never made out of their mom's tummy because the mom believed the propaganda at the clinics. And, uh, you know, you know how that turned out. And that delves in the back to my 6.7% of blacks in, sub, in Los Angeles area. Um, the reason why they, well, yeah, some have fled, some just never got a chance to be born. Um, but that's a whole topic for another show. Yeah, that is. Uh, but that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out in New York because, um, yeah, the, uh, you know, I, I didn't know that. You know, I think uh, you're the one that pointed out, out to me what his real name is. I was mistaken. It's not. It's Warren Wilhelm. His real name is Warren, Warren Wilhelm. Mm-hmm. But so he decided decide to become Italian huh? yeah. instead of German. Well, <laughs> if you're a leftist, you can be anything. Right now, folks, thank God you can't see the video because I'm identifying as a hubcap sitting in this chair. <laughs> so it's a good thing the video isn't on because, in fact, I'm a hubcap. Lonnie Poindexter, I thank you ever so kindly for being here. I thank you for staying over uh, another 20 minutes. I appreciate that. Um, I wish I could tell you that I knew that I was going to. Well, I can tell you for a fact. I'm not going to have a show for the next two weeks because I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be in Montana in my new house because i got to get some stuff going. And we're going to be moving. And we're going to be moving the first house. And we're going to be moving the second house. And I'm packing and all that kind of stuff. Blah, 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 blah. When I get my new show going, I hope at the end of the year, consistently, um, Lonnie Poindexter, I will have you back, obviously, in the interim. Um, but I, when I, I get the show going consistently, and I hope at least an hour, Monday through Friday, when I get when the dust settles in a free state, so to speak, 
I will have you back. So, Sir Lonnie Poindexter, I thank you ever so kindly for being here tonight. And um, a time or two, I would love to... Here's the deal, and I think I told this to you before. The Shat Show, the Sackheads Against Tyranny, was a Wednesday night show. Right. And, and it was myself and Sackhead Sean and Sackheads Clint. The three of us would sit down and just go over all kinds of, of crap. And we just riffed off of everything. Yeah, it was politics, but it was a bunch of stupid stuff as well. What I would like to do eventually is bring back the, the Sackheads Against Tyranny show and have myself and any number of guests on the show. And if I had a guest, I'd like to have, you know, a consistent co-host for a couple of weeks, a couple of shows. And you would be the first one that I would want to invite on that show where we just sit down and riff and maybe, I don't know, you have a drink on your end, I have a drink on my end, and uh, we just riff and talk about life and anything that happens to show up. So that's ideally what something that I'd like to do in the in the future. And then with luck sometime in, in your future, uh, your things will be different and you'll be able to have the time and uh, my things will be different and I will be able to have the time. In the meantime, I greatly appreciate your being here. Um, you and I have similar upbringings. Uh, we are fellow Californians uh, with, with different paint jobs, which is absolutely completely immaterial. I don't give a crap what anybody looks like as long as they're a conservative, and I'm sure that your your philosophy is something very akin to that. Yep. I appreciate you for who you are. I appreciate you for your honesty. I appreciate you for your, your sacrifice and your hard work, because I know that you've gone through a lot of junk over the years, as have we all when we survive to our grand old ages, as we are. Although you are 39 and, and and you're just a kid, and you've still got a lot of a uh, lot of here, years ahead of you. Despite your youth, I would still like to have you back on the show, Lonnie Poindexter. Well, thank you so much, my brother. Yes, I'm 39 and holding. Something yes, yes, oh, yes. Aren't we all? Aren't we Let all? Let me say this: um, congratulations on the on the new place, and um, I look forward to uh, uh, seeing it once you get firmly ensconced there. And uh, we'll collectively uh, work together going forward, fighting the good fight, right? Uh, you will have, will have, you have an open invitation to come by anytime you want. Uh, by the way, folks, I see some people in chat saying, okay, time to go away. No, folks, don't go away. I got another hour. Lonnie just couldn't stay for the whole two hours. Don't get depressed. Don't fold up the show. Don't go away. I'm not going away. Jeez, you guys. You guys. Jeez. Okay, so Lonnie, thank you very much for being here. I, All I really right, brother. God bless. Talk to you, sir. God bless you, sir. Take care. Bye-bye. Lonnie Poindexter, one of my bestest buddies around here. Lonnie's a good soul. Lonnie probably would have stayed with me for the entire two hours. And I can kind of read Lonnie a little bit. And right about now was the time that I realized maybe it's time to kind of wrap things up with him a little bit. I would like to go through the rest of the article about uh, Larry Elder, but I myself am running out of time, and I will dispose of that article over there. <laughs> and let's go to, oh, uh, what have we got next? Oh, 
One of my favorite places to be, one of my favorite topic areas, and one of yours I found out too, so why don't we do this? The Bloviating Zeppelin's HeyJackass.com Chicago Death Toll Update, courtesy of Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. That's right. Go to HeyJackass.com, HeyJackass.com, illustrating Chicago values and the wondrous city of Chicago under the supervision of the lovely Lori Lightfoot, who is dead inside and has no soul. August to date, shot and killed, 76. Shot and wounded, 344. Total shot, 420. Total homicide, 78. Week in progress, August 22nd to August 28th. Shot and killed, 8. Shot and wounded, 36. Total shot, 44. Total homicides, 9. Here's the biggie. Year to date, shot and killed, 517. Shot and wounded, 2,465. Total shot, 2,982. Total homicides, 544. So, in the 2021 Chicago Shot Clock in Chicago, a person is shot every one minute and 55 seconds. Yay! A person is murdered every 10 minutes and 29 seconds. Imagine that. Huh. And that's what we have for this. Thank God for Lori Lightfoot, right? Obviating Zeppelin's HeyJackass.com Chicago Death Toll Update. Courtesy of Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And, oh, wait, now, hey, I actually have something for this now. It's time for Happy happy Stories and Good Times. I didn't think that I had a story that would fit for this, but I do, because I just clicked on it on a tab. Look at this. This just came out today, Thursday, August 26th. Supreme Court strikes down eviction moratorium during pandemic evictions can resume. Evictions? What do you mean by that? The Supreme Court's conservative majority is allowing evictions to resume across the United States, blocking the Biden administration from enforcing a temporary ban that was put in place because of the coronavirus pandemic. Roughly 3.5 million people in the United States said they faced eviction in the next two months, according to Census Bureau data from early August. However, what this did not give is respite for those people who were landlords. Now, if if you listen to what the Biden regime says, oh, yes, landlords, they get it, too. Really, you tell me any bank that if a landlord fails to pay a mortgage and falls back on the federal law, that after two, three or four non-payments of a mortgage, the bank will not foreclose on the landlord. Equals, they don't exist. The court said in an unsigned opinion Thursday that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, listen to this, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which reimposed the moratorium August 3rd, lacked the, the authority to do so under federal law without explicit congressional author, authorization. Stop. Now, I have said that there recently have been four branches of government. Now, we know that there are three. There are three lawful branches of government. Can you tell me what they are? Go. Legislative, right? Okay. What's another one? Executive. Okay. What's the third? Judicial. Okay. What's the fourth? 
that BZ was talking about. A branch of government. Why, that would be the deep state. You tell me, folks, where the CDC acquires the authority to declare a moratorium on evictions in the United States of America. They are not one of the branches of government. And had the Supreme Court not ruled this direction, it would have opened the doors for absolute chaos. SCOTUS had no other way to rule than this unless they wanted to give the CDC and any organization or agency like the CDC powers of control like the other three branches of government. I hope to hell you understood what I said. By the way, it was the second high court loss for the administration this week at the hands of the court's conservative majority. On Tuesday, the court effectively allowed the reinstatement. The, oh, I, for, I forgot about this. Oh, it's time for it. Oh, okay. It's time for this once again. Oh, my God. It's time for Happy, Happy Stories and Good Times. I had forgotten about this. The court on Tuesday effectively allowed the reinstatement of a Trump-era policy forcing asylum seekers to wait in Mexico for their hearings. The new administration had tried to end the Remain in Mexico program as it is informally known. That is a happy story, but there are a bunch of happy stories. By the way, the court's three liberal justices opposed that move. Imagine that. Uh, Let's see. We know that Andrew Cuomo Cuomo is no longer the governor of New York City. Now, I went back deep, deep, I tell you, into the archives, the audio archives, to find this. (laughs) Sometimes, oh God, I should have gone to a break, okay? But it's my show, so I'm not going to go to a break because I'm kind of running out of time. I found this in the video archives, audio archives. Yeah, it's a video, but you're going to hear it. This is 48 seconds of brilliant, brilliant thinking by the... (laughs) Shit. Here, let me just say it. Here's a Women for Cuomo campaign ad. Oh, wait a minute. Wrong place. Okay, when you let something sit in a tab for a while, it kind of percolates... And then depending on who you have it through, it makes you start it all over again. So here's the Women for Cuomo campaign ad. There is a new reality, my friends. And this Trump administration is a new and frightening reality. But while the federal government is trying to turn back the clock on progress, under Governor Cuomo, New York is going forward. Andrew Cuomo is the leader who gets it done for women. The governor of the state of New York has invested in women and minority businesses because he recognizes that it's really about building wealth in our communities. And I've been proud to be at his side as we fight sexual assault on college campuses and we fight the people who denigrate and harass women in the workplace we're going to bring a level of change to this state and make it a model against what president trump is doing 
Cuomo. There is a new reality, my friends. Cuomo is a proven leader. Imagine that. And by the way, folks, if if you're drinking like I'm not, but I will be shortly, I think I'd tell you this. Folks, this is BZ's final hour. Step up. Last call for alcohol. Yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of New York, here's an article from Salon.com. New York's new governor reveals 12,000 nursing home coronavirus deaths that were hidden by former New York governor. I love saying that. Former New York governor Andrew Cuomo. There's a lot of things that weren't happening, and I'm going to make them happen. Kathy Hochul said on Wednesday, this was published just today. Newly appointed New York Governor Kathy Hochul admitted that the state saw about 12,000 more COVID-19 deaths than were officially counted. Now we're releasing more data than had been released before publicly, so people know the nursing home deaths and the hospital deaths are consistent with what's being displayed by the CDC, she said on a Wednesday MSNBC broadcast. There's a lot of things that weren't happening, and I'm going to make them happen. Transparency will be the hallmark of my administration. So, former Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York cooked the books by 12,000 deaths. And here's, oh, you know, I think it's time maybe for this, because this is certainly true. Tales from the You Can't Write This Shit Department. Graciously presented by BZ, here in the Berserk Bobcat Saloon. I told you this three months ago, four months ago. I said because I had information indicating who the real murderer of Ashley Babbitt was. And I wrote his name and said it in social media, and I got taken out by Facebook once for, what was that, a week? And then I also got taken out by Twitter for 12 hours because I wrote the name of Lieutenant Michael Byrd who shot and killed, in my opinion, murdered Ashley Babbitt on January 6th. Now, finally, 343 days later, from Newsweek.com, police lieutenant who killed January 6th Capitol rioter Ashley Babbitt finally identified. For more than seven months, the U.S. Capitol Police officer who shot and killed Ashley Babbitt, an unarmed protester climbing through a broken window in a hallway of the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, has remained anonymous. Though his name was known to the U.S. Capitol Police, which means that it was known to every member in Congress. Congressional staffers and federal investigators, no one would divulge it. The secrecy-fueled months of online speculation. Babbitt's family alleged a cover-up. The U.S. Congress wants to protect this man. He's got friends in high places, and they want to protect him, said Maryland Attorney Terry Roberts, who represents the family. And they've done a pretty good job of it. I don't think it's a proud moment for the U.S. Capitol Police or the U.S. Congress. Okay, so you guys do know what happened with regard to this, right? There is video of him shooting Ashley Babbitt. Now, tonight, apparently at 7 o'clock Pacific, there was an interview with a NBC guy. I can't think of the guy's name. 
but he spoke to Lieutenant Michael Byrd of the U.S. Capitol Police. That is the guy's name, Michael Byrd, B-Y-R-D. He is a lieutenant for the U.S. Capitol Police. Byrd said that, in fact, he is the victim on this because he has received death threats. Join the club. I received death threats for years from multiple people, from gangs. Suck it up, buttercup. But I will also tell you this. He was covered for by the U.S. Capitol Police. He was covered by Congress. By Pelosi. By the Speaker of the House. The cover-up was because he was a black officer... And you cannot convince me otherwise, and it would look very bad for a black officer to have put themselves into this situation. A black officer who may be a little bit delinquent. So you tell me, folks, in any other agency, non-federal, any state agency, any local agency, where you had an officer-involved shooting... Where Let's leave color out of it just for a second, but I'm telling you that I fervently believe that Michael Leroy Byrd got cut many favors because of his melanin count. But you tell me where an officer, a police officer in 2021, shot and killed an unarmed individual and wasn't taken to task and whose name wasn't revealed especially if they were white in 45 minutes, that that officer's name wouldn't be out in the ozone, in the ether, courtesy of the American media maggots. And the second that occurred, that officer would receive a plethora of death threats every damned day. Let's reverse skin colors. Let's say it was a white officer in another building who had police powers and people were attempting to break into that building. And that white officer shot a black female who was unarmed. You and I both know that there would be riots. You and I both know that the name of that officer would be released very, very quickly. You and I both know that that officer would be taken out, removed. And you and I both know that that officer would be prosecuted. And by this time, from January 6th, would have seen a trial and likely would have been convicted. Especially when it was discovered and brought out in truth that the black female that the white officer shot was, in fact, completely unarmed. Michael Byrd never saw a firearm in the hands of Ashley Babbitt. If you recall, because no one wants you to remember this, a few feet away were a number of U.S. Capitol SWAT officers in the same corridor, adjacent the piled-up furniture 
near the broken window where Ashley Babbitt was attempting to go through. They were there in front of her. Now, do you think had she a firearm, those SWAT officers replete with vests, firearms themselves, and helmets, oh, they would have just let her continue on, would they have not? Certainly. Certainly not. Oh, and have you ever heard of anything called a backstop? Because if I were one of the officers on the receiving end of that potential bullet from Lieutenant Michael Leroy Bird, I would be very, very pissed, and we'd have words. Because essentially, you fired at me. And who's to say, he said he shot center mass. Really? He hit her in the neck. And the officers that were there, in her immediate presence, attempted to revive her. They were right there. Were they blind? Did they not see the firearm? Was there an evidence cover-up? Somebody obviously stole that firearm that she was armed with and secreted it away, I'm sure. But no, that didn't happen. That didn't happen at all. You see, because the deal is, Lieutenant Michael Leroy Byrd has a record of mishandling firearms. Huh, imagine that. Now, in 2019, he left his loaded Glock 22 pistol unattended, I guess he was taking a dump or going to the bathroom, in a congressional visitor center bathroom. So it wasn't segmented away from the public. It was in a public access area. And he just left his Glock behind because, you know, you do that every once in a while. So he was unfit for duty then. He was unfit for duty now. And what they did is they covered up a murder. In my opinion, they covered up a murder. And I told you then the man's name. And I was removed, those posts were removed, and I was sanctioned and censored by social media because I knew who his name was. I still have contacts. So I paid a price for being correct. And I'm mentioning this to you now because if they can't, they, the federal government, can and will do this for this guy, they can and will do anything against you. Ashley Babbitt didn't matter. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, but apparently not. Here's another little tidbit that we might have to get used to. Did you guys hear about this? Probably not. The FBI, oh, our beloved FBI, you know, the one that I actually used to belong to for a time until I realized that the federal system was not something that I wanted to spend my entire life in. The FBI dodged Ilhan Omar's bro-wed probe. Miranda Devine said so. She wrote an article in the NewYorkPost.com about it. So do you remember when the people in Minnesota, the Strib, I think, was writing about this, and the people who were writing about this were saying that they hated Muslims. 
They hate Muslims. The people, the white guys who are writing about this, are terrible people. They must hate Muslims. And they must hate women. And they must hate immigrants. To even begin to say that Ilhan Omar married her brother to get into the United States. God, those bastards. Well, I was right. And they were right. Only hours after Minnesota GOP operative Anton Lazaro posted online DNA evidence that allegedly shows Representative Ilhan Omar was once married to her brother, the FBI busted him. The test results stated there is a 99.999998% chance that Omar and her second husband, Ahmed Elmi, now her ex-husband, are siblings, according to an analysis by British company Endeavor DNA Laboratories. But before Lazaro could share the results with the media, he was arrested on underage sex trafficking charges and jailed pending a court hearing on Monday. His website, ilhanomardna.com, containing the DNA test results, was online briefly before it was taken down Wednesday. But you know what they say about the Internet. It's forever. So they got DNA from a drinking straw. And they got DNA from a cigarette butt. And they put it together and they compared it and guess what? Bingo, bango, bongo, Batman. It's a match. I was right, and they were right. Oh, and all you people who decided that you were going to vote for Biden, yippee, what a great pack of people you are. Biden administration plans to increase taxes on 2.1 million small businesses. This is from August 23rd. The Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council SBE Council, is warning the Biden administration tax plan would raise taxes on 2.1 million small businesses in contrast to the administration's claims. Last week, the White House issued a fact sheet on the plan claiming the tax proposal will protect 97% of small business owners from income tax rate increases while delivering tax cuts to more than 3.9 million entrepreneurs. Except, according to the Tax Foundation, U.S. businesses currently remit about 93% of all taxes collected in the U.S., thus funneling money to just about every federal program. Now, the Biden administration, I call it a regime because it is, wants to rocket the corporate tax rate higher than 28%, causing business advocates to worry that it will make the U.S. less competitive in the global marketplace. It's almost immaterial because we're giving everything away to China. So, as you see, who makes America run small businesses? Biden administration plans they're going to increase taxes on 2.1 million of those small businesses. And also, because Joe Biden can't... Stop for a second. <clears throat> Answer this question for me, if you would, please. Can you think of one area where Joe Biden is not destroying America and America's power and influence and its sphere and destroying you and destroying your pocketbook and destroying freedom and destroying liberty? I can't. This is from the Washington Examiner. Suspected terrorists are crossing the border at a level we have never before seen, outgoing Border Patrol chief says. 
This is from Anna Chiaratielli, Homeland Security reporter, August 16th. Unprecedented numbers of known or suspected terrorists have crossed the southern border in recent months, the outgoing Border Patrol chief said. The head of the Border Patrol, Rodney Scott, told his 19,000 agents before retiring on August 14th that their national security mission is paramount right now. Despite the Biden administration's focus on migrant families and children who are coming across the United States-Mexico boundary at record rates. Imagine that. Over and over again, I see other people talk about our mission, your mission, and the context of it being immigration or the current crisis today being an immigration crisis, Scott said in a video message. He said, I firmly believe that it is a national security crisis. Immigration is just a subcomponent of it. And right now, it's just a cover for massive amounts of smuggling going across the southwest border to include TSDBs at a level we have never before seen. And that is a real a real threat. A TSDB, by the way, folks, if you're unaware, is a known or a suspected terrorist in identified in the FBI's terrorist screaming Screaming. <laughs> Maybe the terrorists are screaming. Screening database. Sooner or later, I believe it's leading to this. And I think Andrew Breitbart nailed it best. Oh, Andrew, I'm having that same problem again. Okay, let's requeue Andrew. And let's make Andrew Breitbart, who died way before his time. Let's make Andrew Breitbart talk. Andrew, what do you think? Fuck you. War. I would have to tend to agree with him. Then there's this. Things are going to be coming to a head very shortly. You need to be paying attention to the news. You need to be paying attention to people who are conservatives. You need to be paying attention to alternate forms of media and not just the American media maggots. They are the persons who will be lying to you first, covering for the Biden administration who lies to you daily. And it appears with about seven minutes left, I'm not really going to be able to address the Afghanistan situation. Pay attention to Afghanistan, because how that is bungled is how everything else will be bungled by Joe Biden in the interim. And if Biden happens to go away, courtesy of the 20th, 25th, who do you think is up next? Oh, that's right, Kamala Harris. The most disliked person in the Democrat party, ask any Democrat on the inside. She has the likable quotient of a Western diamondback rattler. The Biden administration continually lies to you, and we're coming up to critical mass on any number of topics collapsing the United States of America. This just came out today in Chicago. This is from The Blaze. Chicago Police Union sends clear message to Mayor Lightfoot over vaccine mandate. Warns city could lose thousands of cops. Hell no, they say. We'll see you in court. 
Just hours after the Food and Drug Administration gave the Pfizer COVID vaccine its seal of approval Monday, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot told reporters that jabs are absolutely going to be required for all city employees. But her declaration went over like a lead balloon with vast swaths of city workers who were telling the mayor to check herself, the Chicago Sun-Times reported. Especially ticked off are officers with the Chicago Police Department, whose union made it clear where cops stand. Hell no. And the mayor can expect to see them in court, WFLD-TV reported, and I think it is only rightly so. Since we happen to be talking about COVID, I want to remind you of this. Everyone's God Emperor Fauci is the best thing since sliced bread. I repeated this on my last show. I will repeat it again because it demands repeating now. If you want to find it for verification, go to thefederalist.com. The headline, Watchdog Report. Fauci spent, Anthony Fauci, beloved God Emperor Fauci, little g, spent nearly half a million dollars in taxpayer dollars on abusive experiments on dogs. Anybody have a rescue dog? I have three. I had three rescue dogs die in 2020. I like rescue dogs. And I bet a lot of people do here as well. This is from August 5th, so it's recent. The National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, directed by Dr. Anthony Fauci, spent $425,000 in taxpayer funds on experiments to infest beagles with parasite-carrying flies, even though the procedure had already been extensively tested on other animals. White Coast Waste Project, the government watchdog group that obtained the documents, found that about half of Fauci's $6 billion budget was used for animal experimentation, including the abusive dog experiment. Hey, leftists, where's PETA on this? You like PETA, you like animals, you love Fauci. That doesn't compute. The funds were directed to the University of Georgia Research Foundation to conduct the experiment, quote, according to documents that we just obtained. Using the Freedom of Information Act, Fauci just spent $424,000 to commission a study in which healthy beagles are given an experimental drug and then intentionally infested with flies that carry a disease-causing parasite that affects humans. White Coast Waste Project worked. The documents further revealed that the experiments were not necessary because scientists had already performed similar tests on various other animals. Experimenters admit this investigational drug, quote, has been extensively tested and confirmed in different animal models, such as mice, Mongolian gerbils. I didn't know gerbils were Mongolian. Do they chant? And rhesus macaques, the group found. Records obtained by the FOIA request show the dogs vocalized pain during the experiments. Here's section B under vaccination. The second round of blank was administered December 17th blank were without incident with one important exception. The four animals in the blue group all vocalized in pain upon administration of blank. This did not happen during the first blank in November, nor did this happen with any other group. Upon physical exam on December 23rd, all animals were bright, alert, and responsive. The Daily Caller reported the NIAID task order showed 
28 beagles were to be allowed to develop infections for three months before being euthanized for blood collection. The dog experiments are set to be completed by January 2022. However, the task order states the beagles are to be euthanized 196 days after the start of the study. According to emails obtained by WCW, the study began on November 12th of 2020, meaning the beagles would have to be scheduled to be euthanized in June 2021. That's already done. They're gone. They're dead. So somebody asked, hey, why beagles? And the response was, because they're a very docile, cooperative dog. Infest them. Test them. Then kill them. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, thanks for listening to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon live and direct right here on the SHR Media Network. If you want to contact me, you can find me on Twitter at BZEP, at BZEP, and on my blog at bloviatingzeppelin.net. Promotional consideration is by the Lockheed Martin Skunk Works, and also by the Boeing Company, If It Ain't Boeing, I Ain't Going, and Pratt & Whitney Engines Thrust. You can trust. Tiaras are by My Little Pony. Thanks to my personal KC-135 Kettle One refueling team, with whom I shall be concerting in a couple of minutes because I don't have to drive home anymore, and the refrigerator is right over there. And thank you ever so kindly for listening live. Thanks to Lonnie Poindexter. Thanks to everybody in chat. Thanks to everybody for listening live. Thanks to everybody for listening to the podcast. Thanks to the American trucker who I know listens to me. You keep America moving. I appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time out of your busy day or night if you're listening live to do so. Have a great weekend. God bless. Take care. Be safe. I shall return. Everybody quiet down now and get some sleep. Good night, everybody. Good night, Mama. Good night, Ben. Good night, everyone. Good night, Mama. Good night, Daddy. Good night, children. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Elizabeth. Good night, John Boy. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. What's going on? I was asleep. What's everybody doing? Good night, Good night, Jim, Jim Bob. Bob. <laughs> Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Good night, and good luck. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.